Chapter One, Part Three of Junior Classics, Volume Two, Folk Tales and Myths. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. Junior Classics, Volume Two, Folk Tales and Myths by William Patton. Stories from the Northern Sagas, Part Three: The Dwarfs and the Fairies by a and e carey the earth is very beautiful said odin from the top of his throne very beautiful in every part even to the shores of the dark north sea but alas the men of the earth are puny and fearful at this moment i see a three-headed giant striding out of jotunheim he throws a shepherd boy into the sea and puts the whole of the flock into his pocket now he takes them out again, one by one, and cracks their bones as if they were hazelnuts, whilst all the time men look on and do nothing. Father, cried Thor in a rage, last night I forged for myself a belt, a glove, and a hammer, with which three things I will go forth alone to Jotunheim. Thor went, and Odin looked again. The men of the earth are idle and stupid, said Odin. There are dwarves and elves who live amongst them, and play tricks which they cannot understand, and do not know how to prevent. At this moment I see a husbandman sowing grains of wheat in the furrows, while a dwarf runs after him and changes them into stones. Again I see two hideous little beings, who are holding under water the head of one, the wisest of men, until he dies they mix his blood with honey they have put it into three stone jars and hidden it away then odin was very angry with the dwarves for he saw that they were bent on mischief so he called to him hermit his flying word and dispatched him with a message to the dwarves and light elves to say that odin sent his compliments and would be glad to speak with them in his palace of gladsheim upon a matter of some importance when they received Hermit's summons, the dwarves and light elves were very much surprised, not quite knowing whether to feel honoured or afraid. However, they put on their pertest manners and went clustering after Hermit like a swarm of ladybirds. When they were arrived in the great city, they found Odin descended from his throne and sitting with the rest of the Aesir in the judgment hall of Gladsheim. Hermit flew in, saluted his master, and pointed to the dwarves and elves hanging like a cloud in the doorway to show that he had fulfilled his mission. Then Odin beckoned the little people to come forward. Cowering and whispering, they peeped over one another's shoulders, now running on a little way into the hall, now back again, half curious, half afraid, and it was not until Odin had beckoned three times that they finally reached his footstool. Then Odin spoke to them in calm, low, serious tones about the wickedness of their mischievous propensities. Some, the very worst of them, only laughed in a forward, hardened manner, but a great many looked up surprised and a little pleased at the novelty of serious words, while the light elves all wept, for they were tender-hearted little things. At length Odin spoke to the two dwarves by name whom he had seen drowning the wise man. "'Whose blood was it,' he asked, "'that you mixed with honey and put into jars?' Oh, said the dwarves, jumping up into the air and clapping their hands, that was Kvasir's blood, 
Don't you know who Kvazir was? He sprang up out of the peace made between the Vanir and yourselves, and has been wandering about these seven years or more. So wise he was that men thought he must be a god. Well, just now we found him lying in a meadow, drowned in his own wisdom. So he mixed his blood with honey, and put it into three great jars to keep. Was that not well done, Odin? Well done, answered Odin. Well done, you cruel, cowardly, lying dwarfs. I myself saw you kill him. For shame, for shame. And then Odin proceeded to pass sentence upon them all. Those who had been the most wicked, he said, were to live henceforth a long way underground, and were to spend their time in throwing fuel upon the great earth's central fire, while those who had only been mischievous were to work in the golden diamond mines, fashioning precious stones and metals. They might all come up at night, Odin said, but must vanish at the dawn. Then he waved his hand, and the dwarfs turned round, surely chattering, scampered down the palace steps, out of the city, over the green fields, to their unknown, deep-buried earth homes. But the light elves still lingered, with upturned, tearful, smiling faces, like sunshiny morning dew. And you, said Odin, looking them through and through with his serious eyes, and you. Oh, indeed, Odin, interrupted they, speaking altogether in quick, uncertain tones. Oh, indeed, Odin, we are not so very wicked. We have never done anybody any harm. Have you ever done anybody any good? asked Odin. Oh, no, indeed, answered the light elves. We have never done anything at all. You may go, then, said Odin to live among the flowers and play with the wild bees and summer insects. You must, however, find something to do, or you will get to be mischievous like the dwarves. If only we had anyone to teach us, said the light elves, for we are such foolish little people. Odin looked round inquiringly upon the Aesir, but among them there was no teacher found for the silly little elves. Then he turned to Njord, who nodded his head good-naturedly, and said, Yes, yes, I will see about it. And then he strode out of the judgment hall, right away through the city gates, and sat down upon the mountain's edge. After a while he began to whistle in a most alarming manner, louder and louder, in strong wild gusts, now advancing, now retreating. Then he dropped his voice a little, lower and lower, until it became a bird-like whistle, low, soft, enticing music, like a spirit's call. And far away from the south, a little fluttering answer came, sweet as the invitation itself, nearer and nearer until the two sounds dropped into one another. Then through the clear sky two forms came floating, wonderfully fair, a brother and sister, their beautiful arms twined round one another, their golden hair bathed in sunlight and supported by the wind. My son and daughter, said Njord, proudly, to the surrounding Aesir, Frey and Freya, summer and beauty, hand in hand. When Frey and Freya dropped upon the hill, Njord took his son by the hand, led him gracefully to the foot of the throne, and said, Look here, dear brother lord, what a fair young instructor I have brought for your pretty little elves. Odin was very much pleased with the appearance of Frey, but before constituting him king and schoolmaster of the Light Elves, he desired to know what his accomplishments were, and what he considered himself competent to teach. 
I am the genius of clouds and sunshine, answered Frey, and as he spoke the essences of a hundred perfumes were exhaled from his breath. I am the genius of clouds and sunshine, and if the light elves will have me for their king, I can teach them how to burst the folded buds, to set the blossoms, to pour sweetness into the swelling fruit, to lead the bees through the honey passages of the flowers, to make the single ear a stalk of wheat, to hatch birds' eggs, and teach the little ones to sing. All this, and much more, said Frey. I know and will teach them. Then answered Odin, it is well and Frey took his scholars away with him to Alfheim, which is in every beautiful place under the sun. End of chapter 1, part 3 Recording by phone